All right, gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all 10 years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. It's going to go on Amazon here real damn quick listed as the Lunatic Fringe book. You'll be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, and believe it or not, you can even buy it in fucking hardback. Uh, again, it's going to be available here really, really soon. This one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book, but about 60 more articles. It's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny, inappropriate, and hopefully informative shit. So check it out. Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, 
Once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. All right, ready, set, go. Ray Kubiak here with another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And today I'm sitting here with, uh, well, you tell me, who the fuck are you? What do you do? I'm uh, Martin Christensen. I, uh, what, do, what do I say? I skydive. I try yeah. to fly. Yeah, that's you pretty much what I do. I try to teach flying, I guess. Nice. That's the main, main focus. Yeah. You still doing that full time? Yeah. 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 That's my, uh, my sole, uh, income comes from uh, teaching. Yeah. You've been, uh, you've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah. I have, I mean, I've been involved with skydiving since before I was allowed to skydive. So I've been, uh, well, let's say I, my, I did my first tandem in, uh, 1990. Ooh. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's creeping up on me that, that it's becoming more and more uh, obvious that I'm not young anymore. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Nah. Go on Facebook. Look at friends you went to high school with. Still young. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I guess. How did you get started, though? You said before you were legally. Uh, was it an age thing before you were legally old enough? Well, yeah. So my dad, he's a skydiver as well, right? And mm -hmm. uh, he started skydiving. Um, I think the year before I did my tandem, so in '89, wow. he did his tandem. So obviously he was uh, he was uh, involved in in me being at the drop zone and getting the interest to to try it out myself. And then uh, from from doing a tandem to actually being allowed to jump, it took uh, took some years. Wow! So I started when I was 18 and uh, did the, the static line progression. Back then, we didn't really have an option, so that was that was the the prayerful way of doing it. There were some other clubs in Denmark though that uh, that uh, had the option of AFF, but not where I started. And was that in that was in Norway or what did you say? Was that in Norway? No, I'm Danish. Most people think I'm uh, nobody. I'm sorry, you broke no, up a no. little. They sound like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Danish. Most people think I'm Norwegian. Oh, I thought um, so. But I'm actually Danish. I started in Denmark. I've been competing for Denmark. Um, I started in a very, I mean, back then when I started skydiving, all the clubs were tiny clubs with Cessna 182s. We had a 172 I started skydiving from. Right. So doing AFF was not really an option. Yeah, you were giving off uh, 
strong Viking uh, vibes, you know? So Danish well, for Viking as well, right? The strong Vikings, they came from Denmark. Denmark, yeah. That's cool. The Norwegian ones, they like to fish and uh, they, they, they left. Uh, yeah, that's another topic, I guess. But the warriors. The, 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 the warriors. Norwegian Vikings, they, they, uh, they went to uh, Iceland and Greenland. Right. The Norwegian, the Danish ones, they, they conquered England. <laughs> right. Yeah, those are the ones that they make TV shows about. Ragnarok. Well, uh, yeah, they, they prefer to uh, make, make, yeah, they like to make the Norwegian uh, Vikings look like the, the real ones. Right. But we know better. They have, they All have right. the mountains so, and stuff now. So you started off with the tandem. Like, or you started off with the tandem, and then you went through the AFF or the, uh, the static line progression? Yeah, it was maybe five years in between. My dad, he had a horrible accident. So my mom was like, when I turned 16, she, she thought like, no, no, you're not going to go skydive. Right. So when I was 18, um, I had my own uh, decision power. And then, uh, we, then we kicked it in. Right. Yeah. And so that was jump on. Took a, that was jump. Yeah. And then I, obviously most of my beginning happened in Denmark. Mm-hmm. I, I did go to the Hercules book. It's probably something that most people don't know about today, but uh, I did do the Hercules book in 95. That was my first day uh, out of Denmark kind of skydiving. And, uh, Game changer? Me, uh, it, it did definitely something to my understanding of what skydiving was because I was in this tiny club mm-hmm. and uh, seeing a little bit more like how like other skydivers meet, huge planes, all this. It was quite, quite a motivator and by huge planes you're like saw an otter for the hercules oh an no, no. huge plane the hercules the big old yeah C-30. it was a hercules yeah the the, the suites that had every second year that had their hercules boogie mm. it was quite popular back then now it doesn't exist anymore obviously but uh and it was just uh, basically denmark and the sweden is neighbors right so it just went across and then uh was right there so was pretty obvious to go there. They had this jump limit of 200 jumps. Mm-hmm. I, I only had like 30, 30 plus jumps when I jumped. <laughs> but knowing like with everything else, knowing people, you kind of, right. it makes it possible to get in there. Right. Well, you're vetted, right? Somebody's, I guess. Somebody knows that, you know, you're going to do the thing. So what are you sitting yeah. at now for jump numbers? Um, I hate asking I that I, question, but it's. I obviously I stopped counting a long time ago, but I should be around nine thousand jumps. I, I I when I started tunnel flying, I I didn't exactly stop skydiving, but I stopped working with skydiving. Right. So I you know like counting counting or say like I had a lot I had a lot of jumps every year when I was still competing, but mm-hmm. once I started tunnel flying, which is about. I mean, once once I really started working in the in the tunnel industry, it's maybe somewhere between ten and fifteen years ago. My jump numbers went down by maybe like uh, down to anything from fifty to two three hundred a year. Right. So I haven't been jumping much the last, yeah, the last ten years, I guess. Yeah, tunnel takes that though, huh? happens my teammate uh, or Nils that i used to freestyle with he's probably getting close to twenty thousand. 
Yeah. But he's doing AFF uh, every day in the summertime, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All my counterparts, like once I started full time in the tunnel, I just kind of with the jumping. Yeah. And uh. Yeah. And now they're sitting at twenty thousand skydives. You know. Exactly. So. Um, I mean, skydiving is for sure still my main passion, but the work-wise, uh, tunnel is more productive, I think. Less rainy, windy days? Yeah, man. It's Yeah, I mean, in you know the tunnel, I mean? it's beautiful. Yeah, if you're building a paycheck, like less less rainy days is a better is, is a better scenario, right? I, I like to have a plan and then follow it, no? And yeah. especially in Norway, you can, I mean, last summer was ridiculous. It was only sun the whole summer now is mainly rain yeah so yeah. planning stuff is a bit easier in the tunnel do you find a pattern in that maybe like every other year like el nino style stuff or whatnot i it's just hate to say word. i mean yeah no we we live in the mountains on the west coast of the, the atlantic part of the, the north atlantic so the weather patterns here is pretty unstable unpredictable cool yeah so you've uh you've been competing for what 20 years i saw footage um, of you in like i want to say like 2000s doing freestyle like yeah with your partner like we we as a team i think we started i don't remember like we we started the nationals just entering the nationals as a freestyle team i think it must have been 97 or 98 yeah and then uh, we became the national champions in 99 and did the first first day uh, like yeah world championship in australia actually yeah 99 and then we kept going our last competition was in 2005. you posted so a video become, become in. i'm sorry no, I'm just saying it's a long time since uh, since I was competing in skydiving, and obviously it was a bit of a tunnel competition as well. Right. Yeah, that's the primary. That's what I knew you from the tunnel competitions. That's why years, yeah. years and years later, like it was just a couple of years back, you posted a video. You're like side flying in the sky, and you look like you look really dated in like the outfit you're wearing. You know, and I was like, look that's at that's probably dude. not me. Yet. Oh, uh, you don't uh, think so? Uh, no, I mean, who knows? But in, in freestyle, I was the camouflage. Oh, that's funny. So it might have been your partner. Yeah. Yeah. What most people think in freestyle is that the, the camouflage is just watching the, the performer move around. But the, right. I think yeah, we, we, we kind of changed the game a bit when, when we uh, did our freestyle. Because before, before that, typically the camouflage on your freestyle team, he would be wearing this uh, suit with the big wings, like in uh, the FS camouflage. Right. And then uh, just just uh, have a look at what the performer did. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that somebody mm. can post something on, on, like, so I see something on social media. So let's say I, I, I take a picture of me sitting sitting in a Lamborghini, you know? And then all of a sudden people think I own a Lamborghini. It's just so weird. Uh, like, it's, it's, it's so twisted, man. Like what we can make people believe, you know, if we wanted to. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Too easy. So you changed the game for tunnel flying though. I mean, you guys, you guys were on top for, I still can see you'd be on top 
with that stuff, man. Like you're a very disciplined uh, flyer and uh, you've done, you've done great things for our community, man. So you want to speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds a bit too flattering in a way. But, uh, <laughs> I'm kissing your ass. But I would say, I mean, when, when uh, we were still, we were still competing in freestyle when I did my first uh, time of flying with uh, Fabian Reidel. Mm-hmm. We only did one hour and it was in, uh, in Orlando. So obviously as a freestyle team, we were like, this we cannot, this we cannot use for training. And then it took a little while before we got back into it. But Reidel and what was it? Uh, Juliana and uh, Joao. I would say they they were they were the trendsetters for sure back when sure. when I realized what tunnel flying was. Same. And then it took then it took a while before I guess after we stopped competing, then uh, in skydiving, then uh, then I, I had a little moment where I was like, uh, sh- should I stop skydiving now or should I start tunnel flying? And then uh, and then it, it became one, me huh? picking. Yeah, like uh, at least uh, in the sense of work, right? Because I already at that point have been traveling quite a bit, uh, organizing and stuff. So for me, it was just like I need to get into tunnel flying. And I already been around a little bit, but that's when uh, the bot was, um was an option. So I spoke to Boris there and uh, got a job. And then, uh, and then the, that was the perfect time to get in because the whole European com- committee or community uh kind of a gap at that and it was a very productive very productive uh, time to to learn ton of flying because everybody who was there was the absolute top motivated europeans coming together and i guess from other parts of the world too paolo perini he was there, brazilian dude uh some of the aussies the greelies so it was a lot of people coming together. So I don't really feel like we did something specific. In at least in the beginning, I met Filip Sinjakovic uh, very early there. He was working in the open Swiss tunnel uh, with Ramsey, and then um, we met a few times. And it was kind of like, I, I think I think we should compete together. And he was like, Yeah, but I already have a team. Yeah, but I think we should be on a team. Yeah. And then it kind of started from there. We did the, uh, what is it called again? The World Challenge, the Bedford Challenge, I guess. Yeah, that was a cool um, competition. Which, yeah, it was a little bit of a different concept than now, but it was still uh, with the free round. And I mean, for me back when I was still freestyling, the free round was the only thing that matters to me, the, the compulsories. And now also today, this, this speed round stuff to me is something that is created because it has no effect to me. Like, I think it's a bit weird. So we were basically just focusing on, uh, yeah, nice flying, what we would call nice flying. You know, like, I would uh, call it nice flying. That's for sure. Different. Streamline. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the, in the sense of like, a, there's competition flying, and then there's what you would do when you fly together with your friends, which often is not the same thing, right? Right. But we we always as a freestyle team or like Philip and I as a as a two way team or when we did the four way team, um, the focus was for sure to do something that we feel nice flying, rather than obviously always trying to win a competition is the is the goal when you compete. But right, 
there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of training that's done without really wanting to do that kind of flying if you're not competing. Right. Yeah, you get good at what you train, right? Exactly. So, if your focus is, I find that some some people they they spread their focus too thin. Like we'll have nationals here, and there'll be competitors competing in every category. I'm like, mm, maybe if you focus on one category, maybe. But if you have the bandwidth, to say, you have the bandwidth to do it, you know, like yeah, you there's a lot like, of people that like this. Yeah. Well, the two-way, like if you're in a four-way team and then you're also on a two-way team, I can see that because it's kind of the same, right? Like, and then, yeah. but then you're also doing freestyle. It's like, dang, how, how are you doing all of it? But some people have more energy to put towards stuff, but. Yeah, it's like put people in a box, but for sure, some people, they like yeah. to collect the medals or, you know, scores or whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. so I, we're, uh, where are all your medals? Are, are they displayed or are they in a box somewhere in the closet? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I have uh, the, the, the belt that we won in the Battle of Buttrop. I have right. uh, it displayed, but everything else, I have no clue, actually. <laughs> Didn't you get boxing gloves, too? Yeah. Or was that the belt? The belt and the boxing gloves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was cool, man. Yeah. We, I mean, we were, we were um, in Portugal when we were doing the freestyle stuff. So most of the medals are in Portugal, or maybe they threw them out. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I haven't really been, I'm not, I'm not really the person to collect stuff like this. I'm right. Not, uh, right, right. Yeah, it's the, it's the journey and the, and the memories stuff like this yeah i, I mean it's uh, yeah as i hope i'm gonna keep my uh, my uh, memory good till i get old but other people genuinely don't give uh, much of uh you know they don't care about stuff like this yeah let me ask it's you it's my stuff. family my friends my star you know like all these people they, uh, we don't talk about skydiving yeah yeah so you uh started that new journey huh making a family man now Ooh. Oof. how's that dude interesting interesting yeah it's hard to uh, put words to it of course but uh definitely interesting right uh, i mean it's very new two months so um, baby boy i don't know i don't know it's a girl it's a girl baby girl yeah what's her name uh -huh. freya nice freya you would probably say freya freya, freya. freya. nice uh -huh. so uh dude game changer a little bit We'll see. Yeah. I mean, for sure, I mean, we planned it well enough that uh, I'm, I w I'm able to be home for the, for the entire summer. Yeah. Just sort of because my wife is also not Norwegian. So for both of us, it's a little bit of a, like a struggle to get help. No, we have friends here, but it's nice to be close to family or have family come visit in situations like this. Right. So it is a bit of a game change, I guess. Traveling, yeah. planning, all this stuff yeah man well one kid i have four kids so one kid to me is like having no kids like it's like that you could like i know that seems impossible especially now because you're in that you're in that sleep deprivation or maybe you're just coming out of it um yeah she's pretty good though oh yeah i bet yeah. You're, you're very you guys are calm and calm people like my family we're like ah like crazy all the time uh, right so we try to Nice. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. Cause that's like the Thank full you. circle of life, you know, like 
I found that I appreciated my parents more once I had a had a child of my own. It was like a deep yeah. appreciation for my parents that like that I I've always appreciated them, but it was like a deeper appreciation. Yeah. 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 I always I mean it was never like a an absolute goal for me to get kids, but I always thought that my but like my parents they they created me right and i had a cool life so i i feel like it's a, the most fair thing to to create someone else who can then have a cool life yeah that is cool talking uh, about hope, cool, hopefully talking about cool um man you in that cold water those cold water plunges that you do uh-huh man that like makes that like gives me nightmares bro like i can't imagine getting in cold water like i want to because i know that there's a health benefit there but like man you're nuts you're wild um, I, I, this this uh past winter i didn't uh, i didn't actually do any that's great but, uh, the winter before i did i did every day it's it's a uh, it's a bit of a mission i have to admit but um i mean is it painful it seems painful um no no, it's cold. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, so what I what I did basically uh, go for a run like here where we live in Voss. It's a there's a, it's a beautiful river now. The yeah. water is super clear, so it's it's like going in a bathtub. It's just really fucking cold. But um, go for a run, warm up the core, right? Uh, have everything ready because that winter it was i don't know in the in the fahrenheit but you know minus minus 20 was kind of like an average so it's it's pretty cold so everything would have to be ready once i got there you're steaming from sweating the the temperature the outdoor temperature is so cold that you're steaming then you cannot be barefoot and step on the rocks because then the the skin sticks to the rocks right Ooh. That's so great. it's basically you go in the water and the water is obviously cold but it's warm compared to the air temperature so it, it, it feels pretty good actually what it's keeps you like from just first... freezing when you get out like ah nothing you freeze like uh, uh yeah that's when like you get the, cold. The, yeah like coming out that's another story <laughs> yeah that's why everything has to be ready so you can kind of like because half a half a minute into trying to get your clothes on the fingers they die oh. so it's a, like it's a little bit difficult to to do stuff with the with the hands <laughs> but then you just get used to this it takes maybe half an hour to get the you know the shippers uh, you know that takes i can park the car up there it's cold uh, after after uh, spending about an hour whatever running and doing all this no so there's no warm car to come back to or anything like this. Sure. So that's a, that, that's the ma main challenge is to getting, getting uh, back out of the water and getting, getting warm again. Yeah. We'd but probably then when you do it every day, you get used to it, right? Yeah. I'd probably just stay in the water, dude. Once I was in there, be like, all right, I guess I just, this is where, this is where they're going to find me. Cause I <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to break any records because basically I was doing it on my own. Right. And I mean, this this is like a little danger to to doing this, of course, no. But five five to ten minutes in the in the water is uh, is definitely doable. You could have set up an easel outside, like with a canvas, 
with some paints. And then when you come out all uh, aching, just like have like a, <laughs> like a paint <laughs> art by Martin. Like, that's funny. So who's, uh, who, who's been your biggest inspirations? Like, I'm curious, who took you under their wing when you were brand new and kind of showed you the ways? Or was it a community effort? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say any any specific in, in that sense because there's a lot now. But I, I remember, obviously, my dad, he did, the, he did the, his uh, share of uh, getting me, making it part of what, what I did in, when I was a young teenager. But then uh, most of the old belly flyers, they would probably know uh, Henrik Herold and uh, Pernille, Pernille Herold. Mm-hmm. Henrik, uh, especially, he was a camera flyer for the big way, uh, the world records and stuff like this. Right. And I wanted to become a camera flyer myself. So for him, well, he, he to me was definitely uh, some type of a, a role model or a person that I, I got a lot of help from. Both he, was, he, he used to be a ricker. And uh, he he had a uh, whatever you call that. He he had his own uh, rig brand that was kind of based on the javelin. Mm-hmm. So he he was quite an inspiration to me in the beginning with uh, how to how to be you know a part of the bigger scene of skydiving, even though we came from the very small little place drop zone style. No? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that was. Uh, that was that's that's for sure someone I I remember as, or still think of as a, one of my main inspirations, especially in the beginning. But mm-hmm. it still pops up in my in my mind all the time when I'm when I'm doing uh, camera stuff. Mm-hmm. There was uh, the the Danish freestyle team back then, the national team, Thomas uh, Vince and Jakob Basten. Yeah. I don't know if uh, you remember those guys, but they were they were YouTube, really good back then already. YouTube wasn't like it was. It was there was a real big divide between the countries as far as like knowing what people were doing. You know, yeah. Like you had uh, to wait. Like YouTube, YouTube didn't exist in '98, did it? No, no. Like no, no, no. So no, I don't know. I don't remember when it started, but we were basically we were basically done competing when uh, YouTube became a thing. So we were we were like traveling around with DVDs, you now to put them on the different drop zones so people could put them in the machine and watch. Right, same. Like we were like making DVDs and just kind of like yeah, check out our videos. Um, it's crazy, huh? I remember self promoting. Like self promotion was like frowned upon in like my my little circle. Like we we're we were too. Oh, really? We are like too punk rock for it, you know. We we're like, oh, yeah. I remember there was a couple of skydivers. Like there was one skydiver in particular. He would take an ad out and parachute us, and like like coaching with 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 Steve, you know, or whatever. And uh, I remember us just laughing at that thinking huh but man what a genius that was smart i mean if you want to do this if you want to do this for a living like you know you gotta get your name out there right so yeah 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 tim porter you probably know tim porter yeah i think uh i mean we jumped a lot in the in the early 2000s well yeah late late the 19s early 2000s he he for sure, is one of my flying style wise, camera flying wise, uh, one of my 
my uh, main motivations or inspirations. I haven't heard that name in a while. I'm not sure I ever really knew him, but I know the name. Like the name is, yeah. sticks out like big time. Yeah. Um, I got to ask you, you've been doing this a long time. What do you love about flying, man? I know it's a hard question, but I don't think I fed you that question. This, this one's off the cuff. Uh, what do I like about it? I mean, it's, that can either be very deep or, you know, like it's a, the, the feeling of flying is more than enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I would pinpoint it down to something specific, it's uh, it's the it's the, the 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 pressure that the speed creates when you go fast, nice. manipulating the airflow around the body and uh, making making quick decisions and uh, yeah, being actually feeling that you fly. That's where skydiving come in to me. That I I a big part of my organizing career in, in free fly or whatever you call this skydiving mm-hmm. is, uh, is uh, taking, taking tracking jumps from what it used to be to kind of what it is more like today right? and trying to teach people to, to actually fly fast. Yeah. The Nordic meet kind of started that, huh? Is it, am I off with that? Oh no, it was way before. The Albanati stuff started t- trying to get more. Yeah, it was a little bit funny actually. We were in uh, we were in uh, Spain and then uh, in uh, a drop zone that doesn't exist anymore. Training in Spain and there was the the Magocchetti and uh, Giola. They had their at thing going, and then there was kind of like the other side. Nils and I, Tempora, like a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to fly fast now. So it was kind of like two different directions of, gotcha. but con- conceptually it was about the same. It was just a speed difference now. And we just wanted to go very far and as fast as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. That Nordic meet though. Were you part of that? You were part of this. No, I, that was, that was my event basically. I, it started out because we were we've been training in Voss and we had the 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 national team back then, Trilludens, and then the the up and coming free fly team of Norway, the Skywalkers, mm-hmm. and and us as the funk flies. The the three of our, or the, these three teams were training in Voss, but because of this, we never had time to to jump together. So then in my world, I was like, okay, I'm going to choose a week and then uh, we're going to jump together and I'm going to decide what kind of jumping we're going to do. And if you want to do something else, you pick a week and then we do what you want to do. Yeah. So that was basically the beginning of the Nordic meet. And then it kind of developed slowly into becoming more and more an international type of thing where still it was, it stayed small, but uh, I wanted to have at least some type of uh, invitational so that it didn't turn into a bookie, but more like an event of experimenting. Right. Well, from the outside looking in, it was badass because I I came from I came from flyaway where you had to move all the time, and then I was skydiving and I like to move all the time, and then I started in Eloy and I like to move all the time, and everybody else wanted to sit still, you know. Yeah. And then and then you guys were developing that over there, and I've always I've always felt like maybe I belonged over there. Like I was like. Ah. <laughs> Maybe I'm along over there, uh, too chicken to uh, leave the comforts of what I've grown yeah. up. Yeah. You know? So, hey, this I always not- felt 
Yeah, like uh, I, when I started skydiving, I was a belly flying, uh, both first like just learning to belly fly and then started to organize and stuff like this. No? And then everybody who was jumping with me was double my age, pretty much my parents' age. No? And, and I lost interest really quick right. of this, like holding on and waiting for people. So when we started freestyling or like this free flying, for me, it was like, I'm going to move. You can do what you want, but me, I'm going to move. Right. Yeah, that's what gravitated towards me towards camera flying. It's the same thing. Yeah, I liked moving. Like, I got a question for you. Do you have what, what's your what, what's the, what's the go to advice that you would give anybody starting off? Fun of flying, skydiving. Yeah, like somebody with goals. Somebody who was like they they were wanting to get into skydiving or or tunnel flying. Let's let's talk tunnel flying, maybe or even skydiving. I don't know. Kinda um expect it to take a really long time because most people they don't have time to uh you know like get get into the depth of things mm -hmm. but um it's a it's, it's a, ton of flying is a weird sport or activity or whatever you can call it no it, it takes a really long time to become good at anything but ton of flying is so different to pretty much anything else you can do that it's hard to it's hard to learn technique, right? And become good at something. You can, you can, you can learn to do stuff that looks the same way. But if you really want to become good at it, harness different techniques, then that, that, that takes a long time. But I would definitely say like low speed is the, is the way. Like Philip and I, we've been working on, uh, on this uh, for a really long time now. And obviously through my freestyle stuff, it's also low speed. So I have a, a very long, focus in this direction low speed uh, fly fast and low speed that's basically uh, how i try to approach my teaching right. yeah. having a struggle with the low with this conversation for a long time and i think i figured out why because i 100 percent agree um but defining low speed you know like obviously high speed 100% would be could be high speed it would be high speed and 1% would be low speed so it's like determining what is low speed per the flyer see a lot of people that are 180 pounds i don't know what that would be in the conversion um trying to fly at a wind speed that is too low of a wind speed do you ever see that happening where now their techniques they're not able to maximize a good form um the math equation is just a little off, you know, it's like maybe low speed for you is slightly faster than low speed would be for the hundred pound person. You know? Without that, I mean, um, aerodynamics or hydrodynamics is uh, physics, right? So it doesn't really care about your weight. It's, it's a, uh, it's more a physics, uh, question. So, right. uh, I mean, in, in flying in general, that's one of the things that is, uh, neglected in most teachings is uh, the difference between lift and drag right and um the the benefit of low speed is that you realize the difference much earlier than on a higher speed so it doesn't really matter what the speed is but you need to get to a point where uh if you do the wrong thing you stall and then you would land on the net mm -hmm. if you do the right thing you can fly and then you can move around like this and and like most people know about aerodynamics is that if you if you double your speed, you quadruple your lift. 
So just by moving a little bit, you can gain a lot of lift. So you just have to find whatever speed that is for you. It's not a set speed because every tunnel has a little different scale on percentage and, and uh, kilometers an hour. Right. But but on a personal level, you shouldn't think too much about the what speed it is, but how the how it works on your body because it's it comes down to flying or falling or like stalling or whatever you call call uh, the difference now. Yeah, because you but can I, ask- I don't know. You can mask you can mask efficiency with more wind speed, right? Like you could just say, "Hey, crank it up a little bit more," and now I'm getting away with a shittier body position that would normally just it, fall. But the I think that's that's where skydiving. Uh, I mean, that, especially the tracking you can do in skydiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shows really uh, straight away. You know, like either you can follow someone or you cannot. Where in the tunnel, you can cut corners everywhere and still be right next to someone who's who's actual lying around in the tunnel is so much faster or longer than than what you might be flying and it looks like you're doing the same thing right so in the tunnel it's a bit it's a bit harder to 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 see the big differences yeah but i mean maybe it becomes a bit too technical but for for people that are really into like this this type of a topic there's a there's a very complicated um a part of mathematics that you can look into, which is basically the Reynolds numbers, and they explain a lot of um, a lot of how drag works relative to viscosity, and viscosity changes uh, with the speed. Right. So the the drag you have uh, changes dramatically; it's exponential, right? So the difference between low speed and high speed is massive when it comes to to the drag. So it comes down to body positions and. Uh, direction of flight and all these kind of things but it's not like it's not like uh, one is better than the other thing but if you know the difference then you can benefit from uh, from from these and then that's where low speed comes in you you won't know the difference if you don't do the low speed right yeah we started off right like you think about it like i started off at flyaway like you can't get much lower speed than that <laughs> that was like yeah you yeah. Yeah, you you, you. You're gonna eat the net every time, and I think I thank God that I got that time doing that. And then yeah. if you look at like Orlando in comparison to how fast the wind tunnels are now, like that was also a very it was a low speed progression on that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. um, Body Flight Bedford would charge extra to fly at the higher wind speed, so everybody was flying at the low wind speed, and it created then you lead into like the Nordic meet where everybody's being able to fly at a nice angle. And then you come to America where we all just went fast speed and you had people that are stuck here now, you know, without being able to work this into the equation without adding this and then adding, you know, and being able to stay relative to one another. One person's doing this, sinking out. The other person's like, yeah. It's an I interesting mean, conversation. Uh, I could nerd out on it for sure. Skydiving and skydiving in Europe uh, compared to the States has always had some uh, differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you, you see it in the States with the, with the vertical records. Now it's easy to make a state record where over here it's like a national record is uh, quite a bit smaller than a state record in the, in the US, right? Right. But here, be like a not a beginner, but a skydiver who's been in for just a couple of years is a quite a good tracker, for example. No? That's that's the general focus over here, I guess. But then when you go to tunnel flying, it also has a little difference because most tunnel flyers 
I guess most underflyers here they wanna they wanna do dynamic stuff unless they are into VFS competition or something like this. No, then then it comes down to not necessarily as a discipline, but learning to fly your body rather than learning to participate in a discipline. Right. And that's the, uh, that's the, uh, what are the words? I got them. Belly flying. If you look at competitions, like belly flying has grown every single year. It grows, mm. you know, and dynamic flying has been, has been, you know, we've had our, we've had our ups and downs, but you, to have a team that's been 10 years, a, a team, you know, that style stuff, like who's the airspeed of who's the Hayabusa of dynamic flying right now? You know, who's, who's still together? Very small. Well, for the, the Swiss national team right. just smashed it, no? Smashed it. Right. But that that's the, uh, it's, I guess where I'm going with it is it takes so long to get to the get to a spot where you could even compete against them you know yeah where if i'm new to skydiving and i want to go have fun with the limited skills that i have but i don't want to stay still angle flying is kind of the belly flying for the cooler kids no offense belly flyers but yeah you know what i mean like i'm a belly flyer myself yeah, me too. When I started skydiving, I meant like a FS, like what are you doing that all the time? Put on your booty suit and go for it. I used, I used to. I yeah, used to. I would do it. I like it. Um, but yeah. I, I appreciate the flying though, right? Um, but when I started skydiving, I see the dudes in the booty suits, tight, tight suits. And then I would look at, I would look at the cool free flyers and I was like, I want to do that. You know? Yeah. But I think no, but for sure the, the tracking part realistic. of skydiving over here is is the go to uh, type of thing. There's no doubt. Yeah, you don't see many many groups go like let's build a ten way and do four points. That that nearly never happens though. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying, like when you when you uh, when you have a discipline that's a little bit more obtainable, where you can set small goals. You know, you can say, hey, we're doing this on this skydiver. We're doing this in this tunnel session and we're not going we're not going to build on this skydive or build on this tunnel session until you get this concept right here. You know, and mm -hmm. then there's then you have a handful of ways to show the concept, you know, so it so it stays fresh and new. You know, you're not just saying, like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this over and over again. You can say, hey, do this. And then they're like maybe their screensaver mode in the face and you're like oh, okay cool i gotta wake that up and then you you change the approach right yeah. obtainable small bite-sized chunks for greater um overall foundational building so that the harder stuff later on down the road isn't hard anymore it should be simple by the time you get there not simple but you know what I'm well, like philip and i we uh, we've been trying to make that our main focus when in in the way we do our tunnel coaching that it's it's all a matter of getting to the the core techniques of things right so that whatever you want to use it for you can you can control your body and the wind uh, different speeds right or you certainly so, don't want to uh, get you certainly don't want to be 10 20 hours into your progression and then learn that maybe you weren't taught the best 
you know? Yeah, this still happens quite a bit, but yeah. less and less, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes, like, you nailed the head when you were like, it's going to take a long time. I think what happens sometimes is that the person had a great coach. They were just, they, they were just learning. And then, then they go to a different coach and they're like the, they're like the jar, like the pickle jar, you know? And then the new coach yeah. just goes, the new, new coach just takes, says one word different and it clicks in the person's head. And now suddenly the, the jar pops open and, the new yeah. coach gets all the credit, right? But the, all, the other coach yeah, yeah. is grinding, man, like to try to get them. But yeah. That's part of the game, I think. No, like yeah. um, we, we all pretty, uh, I, I mean, I, I try to tell people that they, for some people it's good to change and for some people it's good to, to stick to the same coach, right? I think uh, the main part in that is that you need to, you need to spend a lot of time thinking in order to, to to really learn whatever it is because you can't just go in and say like feel feel the wind on the right thumb and then it's going to work right uh, you, you have to in order to even have the concept of feeling the wind on uh, on a specific part of the body you have to have quite some time in the wind already right yeah because i can take a brand new person put them in there and say feel the wind on your leg and they'll go i have a leg yeah <laughs> like i don't yeah. have legs yeah yeah yeah, it's amazing. It's fun. It's fun figuring that out, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's very interesting. It's a long journey. I, I mean, that's why I say that I expect it to take a long time because it's a, you know, you, you can go for, for, I mean, your example is good, but you can, you can go for a really long time where you feel like you're not learning anything. And then all of a sudden, maybe in one camp where you do five to 10 hours, you, you like, uh, you move up uh, many levels. Right, so it, it it has this uh, stage progression that that can be difficult because it's a obviously it's a it's a pricey hobby, you know. Yeah. So as people people typically wants to learn faster than than possible is, and obviously people's background has a lot to say in that too. Yeah, sure. We used to have Eloy. We'd have people come and buy like twenty hours, and so we're coaching them, and I'd make them go skydiving after a couple yeah. a couple hours. Be like, all right, now go see how it works. Like go see how go apply it go apply yeah. it like otherwise that's basically my my i would say like my background obviously is skydiving in the sense of and even though i understand that tunnel flying has become its own sport and discipline now i see the tunnel more as a gym mm -hmm. to to go work out so that you can become a better skydiver than than its own thing right I, I so agree. then it doesn't really matter if you if you're standing on the net for two hours or if you if you're flying uh, whatever like uh, people there's so many names to things now no? but like if you do a back layout for 10 hours right it's all it's all a matter of like what what type of uh, gym sessions that is necessary right now for the level that the person is on that's right yeah i've always looked at it like a dojo you know yeah. like a like a ninja trainer, like a gym, you know, it's a workout, yeah, it's yeah, a stretching session. Yeah. It's a, yeah, a lot of beginner tunnel flyers, they want to skydive in the tunnel. Right. And, or like, I need, I just, I, you know, like I have six hours and I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm getting pretty good at my sit fly, but now I want to learn head down. And I'm like, yeah, but not together with me, no? Yeah. I've always called that the bricks and the mortar, right? 
and it's something that just makes sense for me. Like I say, okay, the bricks are like belly back, sit flying and head down. Right. But the mortar that holds the bricks together is all of that, all of that movement in between all of those angles in between from this location to that location and really learning how to not just be in that body position, but charge that body, like know how to use the rigidity in a positive way, you know, not just you get in the tunnel when you're or, or the sky in the beginning, you're just a rigid mess, right? It's uncontrolled rigidity. It's like, okay, cool. Can we tone that yeah. down a little bit and then really figure out how to feel the wind on your body? And then let's come back to applying a little bit of that pressure in a, in like a useful way, you know, I love it. Yeah. So like in my, in my, uh, the way I try to teach tunnel flying, uh, I would say, especially a little bit because of the environment, I guess too, but I, I try to eliminate the head down and head up as, as uh, positions and just talk, talk about them as orientations right. and, and then only use belly and back flying and then use it more like a, like a half pipe setting mm -hmm. that you, you keep flying on your belly or your back, no yep. matter the angle. And in this sense, it becomes more, more related to actual flying. If you compare to a, a plane, right? <laughs> It doesn't fly sideways in that sense. No, it doesn't fly head down. It, it flies forward. Not on a good day. And right? the easiest, the easiest way to to fly forward is on the belly, and then you can from there go backwards or go to the back and fly forward and backwards, and then you can employ all these other directions that you can 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 use. Obviously, you know, but changing changing orientation is not necessarily the same as changing position. Right. Position to me Explain is more like a speed thing. Explain that a little bit, because I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think of uh, I think of the positions being related to speed and and direction, where uh, orientation is is more uh, at an angle that's described viewed from the outside, right? So if you if you say like look at a skateboard riding on a half pipe, the skateboard itself would experience going forward. Or, or backwards, but not up and down, where the viewer standing on the outside would see the skateboard go up and down. And uh, that's that's where you can play around with these kind of thoughts in the wind tunnel, because it comes down to the idea that you can create, because basically we're just falling really fast now. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but these type of things with the positions and directions and orientations, I think is where people in the beginning have a hard time because you have to fly fast towards the glass in order to experience the type of lift that you need in order to be able to say belly fly in what looks like a, a vertical uh, stand-up position. Right. Right. And then if you would be a skateboard in this sense on a half pipe where you're on the vertical bit, if you don't have enough speed, then you stop at one point and then you start going back down again. And that would happen in tunnel flying too, that you're, you're belly flying and then you just fall back back to what looks like belly flying but that you have enough lift and speed in order to at least create the sensation that you're still belly flying even though it looks like you're head up right and obviously the same in all other orientations i like talking to you about this stuff but we gotta <laughs> we gotta lighten the load a little bit real quick i tell everybody this i have you down here so when you're talking, if my eyes look like this, I'm actually looking at you. 
but my camera's yeah. up here and I keep having to do this and it feels fake as fuck. Like I'm like, hmm. all right, Deem, you still sponsored by them? You sponsor? I haven't been. Well, no. But you wear their suits? A, no, no. I, I fly a boogeyman. Boogeyman. Yeah. Which is the suit that's I, got the, the pocket for the man junk? Uh, I mean, the one I'm flying is uh, the um, the Marvel. We we made this uh, we made this uh, some years ago now. You got a dick pocket in that suit, bro. You rock. I guess dick pocket. <laughs> you I know guess. what I'm talking about? The suits with the you can put your junk away. No. No. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, I don't think so. The 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 way we made the hips on the suit I fly is kind of a little bit like a, like a speedo type of shape. But it's okay. mainly to just to remove all drag. Oh, gotcha. But uh, no, I don't know the, what the dick had the dick pocket, man. I I I gotta get me one of these suits with the dick pocket. I want. I'm so curious how this works. Like apparently, you tuck your junk away in a different pocket. And like, oh really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I thought so it that was you deep. can pee without uh, taking the dick out. Oh no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a like an antechamber like. <laughs> yeah, like the, <laughs> that's funny all right i got i got some more off off cuff questions for you all right so uh ufos uaps aerial Ooh. phenomenon it's been verified shit's real government's come out and said it right my question to you are the aliens controlling those things or is the government entity controlling those things I mean, I, uh, disclaimer, I would say, no, like, I don't know if you can trust that government of yours. <laughs> or any government for that matter. Oh, or, 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 yeah, any government. Yeah. I would like the UFOs to be, uh, I would like it to be right. Like, like it to be aliens? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. in case, in case it is, they, they would have been here for a really long time yeah. already. Yeah. So um, I don't see a reason to be worried. With any conspiracies, I always have to ask the question, why? Like, what's the why behind it? You know, like, why would aliens be here? Like, if they wanted to take us out, like, certainly they could do that. Like, super easy, right? Like, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, like a. We're cockroaches, bro. We're ants. If they would have made it here, mm -hmm. everything, everything else would be easy from here on. I think for them that tic tac you know the tic tac video yeah, yeah, yeah i i heard some interesting things the other just two days ago and i'd heard them a bunch before but i got this one in the back of my head that thing went from eighty thousand feet to a hundred or to like 20 feet or 100 feet off of the ocean floor like in less than a second and didn't break the speed of the sound barrier that's why yeah and it was being tracked by all of this like navy technology right the lidar whatever the hell they have to call it and all this this other tracking devices and it didn't have any exhaust so i'm thinking dude how awesome would it be if we had that technology for skydiving you know what i'm saying mm. yeah you get up there and packing and packing
alien packing technology less than one second oh, man. actually the my my main dream would be to not have to uh, wear skydiving equipment to skydive mm. yeah mm. yeah that's left to come and catch you or, i don't know throw you back up again that's legit that's why that jet man shit was so exciting man like yeah. watching him hover that, that was amazing <sighs> yeah dude it's like man if you can hover you can land that's crazy mm. But that's right. that's probably the closest to UFO, UFO style uh, stuff that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you were on a dream skydive, right? A, a dream skydiving weekend with your with, with your people. Who's with you, and where are you? Uh, if you were setting a party, that. you you were making the party happen. Where's it at, and who you with? I mean, that would probably be, uh, I, I mean, I made a rule for myself uh, quite quite a long time ago that uh, I do maximum five ways. So what's a dream skydive? There is a bunch of people that would uh, be excluded for that. So I would I would probably have a lot of five ways. I did some I did some jumps with uh, Philip a long time ago, but he stopped skydiving, but he would for sure be on that, uh, on that jump now. Yeah, no, this is uh, your dream. So you, you make, he's in. And uh, it would be nice to jump at Tim Porter again, no doubt. Nice. I don't know. You know Alex Aymar, he's a good camera flyer, so that, that, that could be interesting to get the camera flyers together. Yeah. Will Penny, he's a good camera flyer. I, li I like to jump at camera flyers in general. Yeah. And there's Musling, he's, uh, the, like the, he's the world champion now, the Norwegian national team. Those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, hey, if, if, Mar if Martin doesn't mention you, uh, uh, don't 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 feel bad okay <laughs> keeping it out there if you're not mentioned in his dream jump uh just maybe work harder and you'll be, you'll be never mind sorry for the yeah yeah you're good you're good yeah basically basically um i i mean we have i'm already normally when i'm jumping jumping uh past the, my typical dream scenario so it's it's hard to get you know like the real dream scenario in my mind because we I often go uh, to Panama and um, and there we jump from I mean now now we managed to get a new north time so we can jump from twenty three thousand feet wow from heli yeah perfect five way setup uh, go jump over the islands and stuff like this no? so yeah that's amazing it, I I mean that's already exceeding my dream type of skydiving so i don't know um, how my like my right. dream my dream skydive is already happening every time right. i skydive to be so honest. good answer hey the picture behind you is that panama city or panama uh the, yeah that's uh that's panama that's actually jumping on one of the islands there. yeah that's beautiful i like the colors mm. like really the dark cool. deep blue and then the the, the aqua so I've seen uh, there's uh, other people skydiving that they have a little bookie sometimes out there. Yeah, that'd be fun to go to, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Ah, uh, scary, a little scary. Is the wind kind of crazy? Can no, it be, it's uh, just a uh, like it's not a drop zone, right? And then they're trying to run a operation there with non non drop zone planes. So gotcha. You know, they need to pick up people in the water quite often. Is my impression. <laughs> <laughs> not not your your dream setup but yeah. yeah they have boats around the ready i hope so 
I, I mean, I haven't been there. You haven't been? Gotcha. No. All right. If a creature grew to be a giant size and was threatening all mankind, what nightmare creature would that be for you? Like it's suddenly like the size of the Eiffel Tower. Damn. Yeah. I mean, deep most question. Of I, the, I asked the deep questions, bro. Most of the insects, they are pretty fucking nasty. Like they that. are nasty, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Most of the parasites. Mm. Most of the parasites are really ridiculous. If you would have an Eiffel Tower-sized parasite, mm. maybe they wouldn't want us anymore then. But say like a mosquito is pretty nasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like a falcon or a hawk or a, a bird of prey, Ooh. you know? Because they're yeah. just, they're already pound but for they pound. But they don't care about ants, no? No. Yeah, I guess you're right. They would stop being scary, I think. I think the parasites, some parasites get less scary once they can't like swim up your urethra, you know? This is true. <laughs> like, those are, like the microscopic ones, they're already terrible. Yeah. Like once they get big, you're like, oh, eh. But Maybe a porcupine. A porcupine, dude. Think about they the, are, the yeah. shit that that porcupine would have stuck in it all the time. It had like a bus, Ooh. like a train. But they would have like a hundred meter long spines. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, hey, I don't want to eat up any more of your time, but I do want to ask you this. If if people want to get a hold of you, how do they go about doing that? Um, I mean, I have my Instagram thing. I don't really, I have a Facebook page too, but I don't really uh, use it. I try to switch most of my communication to uh, Signal or my email address or just normal phone calling. You want to Try plug to your, your you want to plug your Instagram real quick? My Instagram is my name, Martin Christensen R. Um, that should be fairly uh, straightforward, Martin Christensen R. Yeah. As in, uh, as in, you know, the stuff we breathe offline. Mm-hmm. Cool. My email address is uh, funkflies at gmail.com. That's uh, one of the ways to uh, to get get hold of me. From yeah. there, we can sort out the rest. Nice. And where I do you post primarily... a little bit on Instagram. Where do you primarily coach? Or are you available? Do, do you do travel? Um, I do. I do a bit in Vos, in the Vosvin, and then I go quite a bit to uh, Fly Spot in Poland. Yeah. And uh, now I'm gonna try and do a little bit in the states too. I'm gonna I'm gonna come to El Paso in the in the fall. Nice. You should make probably it over square. here. Come, Virginia Beach, baby, come fly with me. I would love that. I got some time. Let's see what's possible. Oh yeah. yeah. So, man, when we were uh, when we were in Japan, that was very special. That was so dope. That was, awesome. that was yeah. so dope, man. I can't thank Domi enough, and 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 Adam and Havard and all those guys for putting that putting that thing on. Like that was amazing. Um, I would say that was uh, especially my wife Nika was uh, uh, doing that. Yeah, she was a big part of that, right? Yeah, her and Domi, I think her and Domi were working part. so hard. She was working. Your wife was working so hard, dude. Like, I just remember seeing that, like, being like, dang, thank you. That was, uh, I hope, I hope, um, 
I hope other funders is gonna wanna do something like this. Uh, it's quite a quite an output money wise, but uh, man, it would be I, nice if if I ever own a tunnel, I'm doing that. I'm doing yeah, it often. Because the the ISC competitions they seem to be a bit lame to me. Yeah, but the other ones, the where you like, we can decide what the competition is gonna be like. They're way more interesting and right. Seems to be pretty easy to get the teams together. Yeah, I mean, we never get to hang out. Like, you never get to have a bunch of gangsters at the same place, you know? You got you and, uh, and Gizmo were battling uh, after the party. I remember you. You remember this? Yeah, dude. Of course, I remember it. Shit, I love Gizmo. There was a few drinks in, but uh, it was uh, yeah. on the way to the beach. I think from there on, most most memories shut down. But yeah, that was fun. I almost missed my plane. Uh huh. Most people. Yeah, we were just out there having that fire on the like. Gizmo was like, "Oh, next thing you know, there's a fire." I was like, "Where did that fire come from?" Like, yeah, that was a fun night, man. Yeah, that deep. That I'll keep that memory forever. And finally, getting to connect with you oh, sure. at at a different level that yeah. was cool because we've been on different yeah. sides of, of the equation for a long ass time. It was nice to just be face to face. Little, little too long. A little too long. You actually, you, you when you came to Bottle back in the days. You, uh, you were quite inspiring in the sense of uh, your your style, bringing that to to Germany, where where everybody was. We thought they were good stuff, uh, good at flying, you know. And then uh, and then, I don't even know when that was, but that's so long ago that when we met again in uh, Japan, it seemed like a lifetime. Yeah, I tell you what, that was so intimidating because I had been Mish had put it together, and uh, man, that was. A moment of silence for Mish, man. Like that beautiful, beautiful person. Yeah. And she, life changing trip, life changing trip for me. And she, she set everything up and made it so easy. And I can never thank her enough for that trip. And uh, yeah. next thing I know, I'm sitting in front of you and a bunch of ninjas that know how to fly. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to? I thought it was like teach people how to like carve or this or that. So I remember just being like, I'm going to go fly for five minutes. And if you guys see something you like, uh, and then it was like that side, you know, that angle, that breaker stuff like that. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Special moment. Flip twisting. Flip twisting. Yeah. It's hard to apply that to like anything other than solo flying, right? Like. Flip twisting. Yeah, you can you've do been that doing it at 100 percent, huh? Or is it topped out when you're doing that? Oh yeah, yeah. Because my skinny ass, I'm charging the net. I pop up and then I come down as fast as I can, and then throw it. And I try to throw the flip twist, but continue going down. You know, like I can't uh, stop. If I stop, uh, it doesn't count. And uh, I couldn't do it with a double. You, you you have uh, you have different kind of tunnel, no? Like we have to the diffuser in um, in the ISGs makes it a little bit easier to come back down again. But yeah. I mean, that's one of the things in our, the, the way we try and do this teaching of flying in general, that mm -hmm. once you learn to fly in low speed, the speed itself doesn't matter anymore. And you can fly everything uh, on, on high speed or low speed or whatever speed. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically uh, the game. Martin, thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Likewise. And uh, let's hope it turns out good. Give your wife a big hug and and uh I will. and give that give that daughter a kiss on the cheek, bro.
because I will. I will. Super stoked for you. All right. Say hi to the family. I will. I will hopefully see you in the States soon. Please. All right. Much love, brother. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know him, you love him. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around. Damn. <laughs>